0: Hello everybody, you're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 405, best NFL playoff round ever. Hey. Hey. Hello Big Chillians, and welcome back to The Big Chill Podcast. Frank joined, as always, with Eddie. Well, it was a really fun football weekend, and I'm going to turn it over to Eddie because he has on, although you cannot see, his 49ers hat, so he is pumped up from that win, I am sure. So let's let's get it out of the way now. Give me how excited you are and how many I told you so's.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, I will say we'll do a little bit of housekeeping first because, yes, you can't see it here, but you could see it. If you go and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, search for The Big Jill Podcast, and on our YouTube videos, you will see clips from this very episode. So if you do want to see the hat in all its glory, you can head over there and get to see it. And some other bits of housekeeping, if you listen to us via Spotify, you might have thought that we have had no new episodes for about six weeks. As it turns out, there's Thanks, a little, Spotify. V- little bit of an issue <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of an issue with our podcast host and episodes being uh, uploaded to Spotify. So the the last four episodes, all four first episodes of the fourth season had not made it to Spotify yet, but this episode will be there. If you want to listen to those four missing episodes, you probably just need to go to a, a different podcast platform. But from now on, all the episodes will be appearing on Spotify. But am I excited? Yes. I thought it was an enjoyable... I mean, as you touched on, every game was enjoyable to watch. It was... Every game had an exciting ending. The Niners game... I mean, it was... It wasn't the prettiest of the four games, that's for sure. But it was intense. Uh, I was out in a bar watching it. I may or may not have told several Packers fans to suck it at one moment in time. But... (laughs) But then made up with shots. It was all very amicable. But no, it was, uh, yeah, enjoyable. So
0: so you are supporting a good franchise that has made it to Super Bowls, won Super Bowls, consistently good team over the years. How is this ranking so far as the Niners continue to win and progress in the playoffs in your level of excitement in watching it?
1: Um it's obviously different from some of the versions of the Niners in the past. Obviously in the 90s you had a, a dominant Niners where there was this was the expectation. This is different in the sense that although they came into the season as definitely playoff hopefuls and Super Bowl hopefuls, if you went back to mid-season there was a moment when it looked like they probably wouldn't even make the playoffs and we're going to probably finish bottom of their division. So to be in a position now where they're one game away from the Super Bowl playing against a team who they give themselves every chance of beating. I'm not saying they should be favorites, but definitely giving Beat themselves. them the last six it's times. Like there's some massive under <laughs> sure. And three weeks ago, but it's not as if there's some massive underdogs, but um, I actually, for me as a sports fan, I always enjoy it more when it's unexpected. Like the journey is a much more enjoyable process when there you exceed expectations Because if you're if you come into this season, you know, if you're I don't know, for example, how you could have really enjoyed being a Patriots fan all that much over the last two decades, because basically you don't get that much pleasure out of winning because you expect it. And then it's just disappointment when you lose.
0: So we'll get to the games, which were absolutely insanely exciting. But the last question I want to then for the Niners as a Niners fan now. Are you content with how far they made? Or will you be disappointed if they lose next week?
1: I think because it's the Rams, I'll be disappointed if they lose. Both because I really don't like the Rams and also just because they have been so successful against, against them in recent years. So you kind of go into it feeling a little bit like they own them. That worries me because then you do have this, you know, things have to even up at some stage. And if you're a Rams fan, you'd say, hey, good for you. You beat us six times in a row in the regular season. But if we win in the NFC Championship game, that counts for nothing. So they're, it, it, that bit worries me slightly. I think I'll be disappointed now if they lose to the Rams. I would then be disappointed if they lost in the Super Bowl to the Bengals. But if they lose to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, that's fine. That's a good season. I mean, if you recall – Beginning of the season, Chiefs Niners was my Super Bowl prediction. And do you remember what mine was? Chiefs Niners, I believe. Chiefs Rams. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) well there you go. So one of us could be right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean that's that's kind of impressive that we're both in. Like, yeah, we're both in it. And I can't remember what Sam's pick was.
1: But who? Who cares anymore?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Sam. So, yeah, it was an awesome weekend, and I'm so happy I was able to watch the majority of the games. I just missed one quarter of the Chiefs game, the second quarter. Uh, I had an eye on it, but I had to miss some of it. But other than that, it was that has to go down without a doubt as the best divisional round of NFL. There is. See, so. I
1: want to correct that. I think that's the uh, best divisional round is becoming. It becomes quite specific, really. I think that's the best okay. round of playoff games ever. Any okay. round? Yeah, I'll take
0: it. I mean, it's it was insane. You had every game ended on the last play of the game. That's the only time that's ever. Well, happened. as as people
1: as as smart as people would point out on Twitter, every game ends on the final play of the game, Frank.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know I,
1: I know what you mean. They know what you mean. Everyone knows what you mean. But the number of yes. times I saw someone make that statement on Twitter and someone in the comments had to go, oh, uh, every game ends on the last play. <laughs> it's like, you, you, know what, you know what the implication is. Yeah. But the final yeah, so, play was the winning play. Yes, there you
0: go. Three of which, the first three, were on walk-off game-winning field goals and then obviously the Chiefs winning in overtime what was really awesome was you had those first three games while the i would say the bucks game wasn't the most exciting for the most part of that game the fourth quarter obviously makes up for it where they come back and kind of have this back and forth at the end but you had three games that ended with the last second game winning field goal and then you go into that fourth game thinking man those were three great games can it get better And then it did. And then that arguably now people are saying that is a top five best NFL game ever. And I know you will disagree because there's no defense. I understand that. But you're a downer. No, 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 no. no.
1: That's (laughs) That's not why I disagree. That was a really enjoyable game to watch. The fourth quarter of that game was insane. The final two minutes of that game were insane. If you want to tell me that's the greatest final two minutes in NFL history, I will take it not necessarily the greatest defensive play but I'll still take it as like just incredible like a thrill absolute roller coaster for the final few minutes of that game. However, the first 3 quarters were good, but they weren't you weren't holding on to the edge of your seat for the first 3 quarters. It was just a it was a pretty good football game and it got it gets pushed over the edge cuz that fourth quarter and that final 2 minute ending, but I'm I think people there's a little bit of a recency bias there just because of how exciting the finish was and because it just happened in putting it into a, a group that I pro- I don't think it probably deserves to be in. Great game. I'm not I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to zag when everyone's zicking. you know, I'm not trying but to do anything, but genuinely <laughs> the first 3 quarters were fine. But they were the good. It wasn't as fine.
0: if nothing happened those first 3 quarters. You had some nice touchdown scores. You had some good defensive stops. Uh, I mean, I personally I think you had the build-up to that fourth quarter, because obviously the end of games is what always makes games great when it comes down to it, but you're right. You need, you can't just have three quarters of them just kneeling on the ball and then saying in the fourth quarter, let's play. But I think in this one, at least you had some nice plays in those first three quarters. You had some nice throws, some nice runs. You had four touchdowns in that first half. So you had some scoring, but the, the ending is just, That was just insane. I I mean, what's? I want to save that one just because I was so excited watching that game. So let's start in chronological order and start with the Bengals.
1: Okay. Yeah. Which I think was the worst. (laughs) It was the worst game of the four. Agreed. And that's not a knock on it. It was just, it was the least interesting. I kind of walked away from it. I don't know how the Titans lost. I felt like throughout the game, the Titans were the better team. And it felt very much in the fourth quarter as if as if they were about to grab the, you know, take a stranglehold on the game and felt like they had every opportunity to win it and instead just gave it away. And that's not... I know over the court people, regular listeners will think I'm some Bengals hater. I'm not. Congratulations to them on making it as far as they have done. But I think they probably are have gone much further than they deserve to have gone and they've taken, you know, they're riding their luck and they're taking their chances and that's, that's good. And who knows how far you can get? And that's a good sign for their future too. But I think the Titans, the Titans will be sitting there wondering how they did not win that game.
0: Yeah. So a few things I'll touch on with that kind of piggyback. the Titans, I think will be extremely disappointed. So one of the facts I found, maybe you'll like it, Eddie, is that they're now 0-3 when they're the number one seed. They have yet to win a game when the Titans are the number one seed. So that seems to be a death sentence for them. The other interesting fact is since 1990, Ryan Tannehill is now the third QB to throw an interception on his first pass and on his last pass. The unfortunate thing for Tannehill, he didn't play a good game but he didn't play an atrocious game where you'd see the stat of three interceptions and, be, and kind of say like, oh my God, this guy must be the worst QB in the, in the planet. Some of those, one was a nice play, one was a great tip, the other one was a terrible throw. So he didn't play extremely bad. It's just unfortunate that he had three turnovers where even that one that was batted up in the air, I say the majority of the time that DN doesn't catch it and run it 50 yards down. They just kind of got lucky on that play where, they, and they were close to scoring there too. You know, that could have been a whole different game. They, they put that in there. That's the first part I think is a little unfortunate for the Titans. The second part is we discussed how good Derek Henry would be coming back. And I, I don't think it was just me. Maybe it was, he did not look like he had that extra gear at all. I've never seen him get ankle tackled more in a game than that game, there was one where it was like a fourth and one, uh, and the guy just kind of grabbed his foot and he fell down. He just didn't seem to have that like sixth gear of just pushing through the wall and getting those extra yards when he needed it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. That's always a hard one to judge because you're obviously paying even closer attention to his performance and you're looking for things that go, oh look, he's rusty. I agree with you. He definitely. The bigger question there is, do they win that game if they if he doesn't play? And if they just keep doing what they've been doing for the past few weeks, there's an argument there. Maybe they could do. At the, surf, mean, Foreman, at the same time, Foreman, weird the backup, backup call.
0: had real quick. in the backup had four carries for 65 yards. So yeah, but you know, but maybe weird. There's something to that. But, but
1: but also just weird play calling at times. I know you're talking about the fourth and one when they got stuffed, which was a big play because that was the drive that could have put them really in control of the game. But the weirder play call was on the third and one when the decision was to let Ryan Tannehill keep the ball. I don't know how, when you have a run game that's as efficient as theirs, that your go-to call on third and one. Now, I guess if you're defending the coach, it looked like it was an option, and he's decided to hold on to it, so you put the responsibility there on Tannehill. But why do you even put him in a position you have? I mean, put it this way. I think if you just hand the ball to Henry twice there, and you say, good good on you guys. If you stop him twice and he can't pick up one yard, that's that's great defense. But we would back it that on two attempts, he's picking up a little bit more than a yard. That, to me, is the thing that surprised me on that. But overall, I think the Titans and, and just scrap you. But every time it looked like they were going to put themselves in a position to kind of pull ahead and take control, they would, they would mess up. But... You know, credit to the Bengals. I hate being someone who just focuses on what the team that lost did wrong. The Bengals took their chances, and they were good but not spectacular, and they won. I give them no chance next week, but they won.
0: Well, I mean, we'll obviously get into that next podcast, considering they have already beaten the Chiefs in Arrowhead pretty recently. But you're right. I think we should talk a little bit about the Bengals winning. I'll start off with the negative. They're going to get Joe Burrow killed. I, I, I'm i a huge Joe Burrow fan, and I think he's looking great. You have to remember, this is a guy who only played how many games last season? Six, seven, like half the year, and then was out. So he's basically still like he's one and a half years in right now. He's not even he didn't even have a full rookie season. And he looks like a seasoned QB out there. You, you know, he's he's hitting throws. He's trying to hit tight windows. He's a little bit of a gunslinger. It's, I'm, I'm very impressed, and I think he has a bright future. If he doesn't get his leg torn off, I mean, they had nine sacks, eight of which were on four-man rushes. That's the most, I think, since they said, like, 1970, that a team's had on just a standard four-man rush, eight sacks. Now, I know you're going to say, I think what I'm going to say, some of them he needs to get rid of the ball or just take the sack. I agree with that. I think that's something- that Sometimes he turns- Turns around and runs backwards.
1: <laughs> he turns a three yard sack into a 13 yard sack. And it was nearly costly in that game because he knocked them out of field goal position twice. Yes. With his horrific sacks, where it was like, either throw the ball away, because you can see there's no play here. If you have the sort of awareness to turn around and run, you should have the awareness to throw the ball away. That's the first one he'd be sitting down with him. But yeah, I mean, that's not entirely on him, but he no. sometimes turns bad plays into horrific plays.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that is something with time that he'll get better in because, you know, you watch someone like Mahomes or Brady. They are so quick when they get to the line to be able to understand what the defense is going to do and kind of have in their head the three or four different scenarios and where they're going to go to each scenario. If that happens, you know, where, if that rusher comes in, Brady already knows if he's coming this way, that guy's got to be open. I'm just going to throw it there. Whereas Burrow I think is still kind of trying to figure that out a little bit. So with time, I think that'll be better. But I mean, honestly, I don't at that rate, I don't know how much time he's got left because one he's you're going to get hit and you're going to seriously injure him again. I mean, this is a guy who already tore his ACL once because he was the most sacked through however many weeks it was. And now he was the most sacked again this year. You know, so that's that's my main worry with the Bengals. But they they did look good and it's they're an exciting team and they're fun. And I mean the AFC right now looks like it's gonna be in pretty good shape with with the talent level that you have at some of these QB spots compared to the NFC. So and that's we can kind of discuss in the off season. We have nothing else to talk about. But so
1: yeah, that that was a good Yeah, I think a little bit of the The Burrow love is a little too much for me right now, I will say. Not specifically from you. I just mean in general. And it's the advantage of winning. You know, winning fixes everything and winning papers over all the cracks. And if he'd had identical performances and they'd lost, I think people would be critiquing aspects of his game that they are currently happy to overlook. And And
0: that is a great segue, Eddie, to the next game where I could argue Joe Burrow is a gamer and i will throw up the question to you is aaron rodgers just not a gamer
1: who predicted that this would be a talking point at some point this season i told you it's what we see from aaron rodgers and then what what, what happens almost every season is is he the greatest regular season quarterback of all time is he not clutch you know whatever criticism you want to throw at him i think it's difficult to be too i don't think he was the reason they lost on. I mean, look, fundamentally, they lost because they're special teams in that game. If they just don't have catastrophic special teams plays, they win. And, you know, that maybe the Niners find other ways to score because the pressure of the game is different, as we always talk about. You can't just say, well, this one play in the third quarter or the beginning of the fourth is the reason the outcome was such. But, you know, when you have a blocked field goal and a blocked punt that gets returned for a touchdown... There's not a lot of times where you can say those two things happened and he still won. It would be rare. So I'm not gonna put all the responsibility on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders, but it certainly wasn't a spectacular performance. Like the weather conditions probably weren't conducive to him being spectacular. But I'm not gonna I mean the real question is is that the last time we see Aaron Rodgers play for the Packers?
0: Yeah, I I personally think so. Um, there's a lot of talk already about how tight they are on their salary, um, and there's absolutely no way they can keep both Rodgers and Devonte Adams. And I think, with either one of them knowing that fact, I don't think either one of them will want to stay if the other is not there. Um, as much as you may think Jordan Love is is the next great Packers quarterback in line, I don't think Devonte Adams would still want to stay without Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think Rodgers would stay without Adams. So I, I think he's gone um you touch on the fact that you know we always say you can't let one play say that was the reason because there's so much going on and ev- everyone obviously brings up the the blocked field goal the blocked punt um and all that but i actually think the niners didn't win the game but saved the game and kept them in it in the first quarter with that Fred Warner fumble because that was a time when
1: forced fumble, you mean
0: forced fumble? Yeah. the, the, <laughs> the Packers had just, sorry, the Packers had just driven down the field that first drive. I mean, just looked methodically driv- drove down. That was an impressive first drive. Um, Niners get the ball punt. I think they were like negative 11 yards on that first drive did not look good. Packers got the ball back drove about 30 yards down the field, and were con- looked like, like, uh-oh, same same result's going to happen here. And then Warner causes that fumble, forces that fumble. And from then on, the Packers just did not look the same. So maybe it it wasn't that, but to me, if he doesn't force that fumble, I think there's a very good chance the Packers continue to steamroll and they're up 14-0. And now you have two very different sides where you have a team down 14 in a pressure situation that maybe they can't come back from. And a Packers team who just said, we just score on these first two drives. This is a different, this is different than when they stuffed us these last three games and they don't own us anymore. So I think that was a huge play that doesn't get enough attention to really stop it right there and basically reset that game.
1: I mean, look, I think when you have a low scoring game like that, there were a number of big plays by the Niners defense, key sacks, key stops on third down over the course of that game. I think you could highlight, I think I don't disagree with you because 14-0 in those conditions is probably game over. Momentum. You know, because (laughs) not even, it's not even, it's not even the momentum argument, but literally you would have known going in, playing in those conditions. If you get to 21, you've probably won the game because it's going to be hard to see. It's going to take time. There's going to be a lot of drives that stall just because it's not going to be easy to move the ball. And so yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you. But and look, Jimmy G didn't look good. Uh George Kittle didn't look very good. He had one really bad drop, which on what would have been a big play down the middle, a drop that you would just never expect George Kittle to make.
0: Yeah. But he did come through when it mattered.
1: <laughs> he did. He did. But you know, I but I mean they feel and look, they're it was a big special teams win i mean that was a game won by the special teams you have zero points on offense and you know you get some key stops on special teams as well in terms of a blocked field goal you know the special teams won that game um, and i don't know if you liked do you like this new thing robbie Gould's doing where he's kicking pre-game field goals while the other team either did he see him while well, the Packers yeah, were, being, players awesome. were being announced and coming onto the field? And then the week before he did it, while well, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders danced in their pregame <laughs> show? I guess this is yep. his thing, just total disrespect for the opposition as he pre- practices field goals.
0: Yeah. Or, is, I mean, the other side is, is it disrespect to him that that's his allotted practice time and they just said, screw it, we're just going to celebrate right in front of you?
1: No, which I think is, <laughs> that is probably... The thing is, he's not being given sufficient time to do that. But, but yeah. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. And and I actually had to say, I had to rewatch the game only because obviously it was late at night here. So I probably wasn't in a state of mind where necessarily my analysis of the game could have been that accurate, uh, with my ability to recall elements. So I watched, rewatched the entire game yesterday.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Aaron Rodgers just, you know, to kind of go back to that point is if he's a gamer or not, that was, he had a QBR of 19.4. That wasn't as bad as Jimmy G who was at 11, but for a guy that's consistently in the 60 to 70, 80 range, that is a huge drop off. And I think it was the worst he's had in over a year uh, performance wise. So not very impressive. And I think, I think you're letting him get away with it a little bit. I, I do think, If the reason you are where you are is because of Aaron Rodgers, I think the reason you lose has to largely revolve around him as well. And he just did not step up to me that game enough. And there's no reason why he can't score two touchdowns and win a game.
1: I think that's fair and unfair because it's hard to, if you carry the team, it's hard to be too critical of you should have carried the team more. And the reality is the Packers are as good as they are pretty much solely because of Aaron Rodgers. And I think we'll find that out next year if, another, if Jordan Love is lining up under center for them for 18 weeks. So I think we'll see that, you know, that, that will be the ultimate test in a sense of Aaron Rodgers' legacy is how quickly they can transition to another quarterback and, and how big the drop-off is once he is gone. You know, a little bit like Tom Brady in New England. You know how much you know was it you is it the system is it just that there are players who maybe don't get the attention or the credit that they deserve because Aaron Rodgers gets all of it you know there's always that risk that we kind of think he's it's him Devonte Adams and a, Adams and a bunch of scrubs and maybe they're not scrubs maybe they're a lot better than we think they are but because that's the the narrative we've kind of created for Aaron Rodgers existence in Green Bay they all get overlooked but We'll see. But yeah, good win.
0: Are you slightly concerned Jimmy G hasn't thrown a touchdown pass this playoffs yet?
1: (laughs) Not really. Because they don't need him to. You know, it's not the way the team is built, where the run game, it's a run first offense. Look, I'm not delighted that they played a playoff game and had zero points, like zero touchdowns from their offense. That's not ideal. But I'm, you know, if you told me that Jimmy G does not throw a touchdown pass again this season, I'm not going to come out and say that means the Niners have not won the Super Bowl.
0: Oh, wow. I I think I could say it. They haven't. <laughs> Last point I want to make is um, I praise Shanahan a lot. I think he's a great coach. And I think one of the reasons he's a good coach is He relies on the players that got him there for big plays. And I loved that call with what was it third and seven at the end of the game where they get into field goal range to give it to Debo Samuel on that run. I mean, he has Debo Samuel has him and Kittle have carried this team. And when you needed a big run, you put it in his hands. And I think if it weren't him, I don't think he gets that first down. He made a nice play, a nice move, got past that one guy, and then pushed through to get those few extra yards that I don't think the other running back would have gotten. So I love that play call, and I think that's kind of what separates him from some other coaches is he, you know, go with what works. Go with what's been working all year, who's been working all year, and don't overcomplicate it.
1: Yeah, and similarly, in a point that we've touched on before, what he is very good is getting his playmakers involved. So... You know, you, what you can count on with him is one way or another. Even if he figures out, well, Jimmy G, the past game is not working today. All right, then we're just going to have to get everyone involved in the run game. That's it. That's what we got to do. And he will find a way to get every one of the playmakers involved in those games. So let's switch course to their opponents. <laughs> yeah, a game that for a long time looked very one sided and kind of boring and then had in a sense, the craziest fourth quarter of them all, even more so than the Bills and the Chiefs, because it kind of came out of nowhere. There was just a change in momentum in that game that I think very few people could have seen coming. But all of a sudden it went from a blowout to a game where the, the Buccaneers will feel like they gave the game away, which if you told them that with, you know, 16, 17 minutes to go, that they were going to get to the end of the game and feel like they blew it, I think they wouldn't have believed you.
0: Yeah. So there's a few talking points here. Um, I guess one, since we just talked about Shanahan, I I would like to bring up McVeigh here and yes, the Rams did win, but as you mentioned, they were in cruise control and let the bucks back into this game. And a lot of it has to do with McVay just being super conservative and just deciding that he's just going to run the ball every down. And I get, the concept of why coaches do that but in reality it always seems to backfire and this is a very unique situation in terms of that it backfired because they were fumbling um, and making it even easier for the bucks to get back in the game but you had stafford was playing well and their passing game was doing doing well i mean they were passing the ball pretty efficiently i'm going to
1: disagree with you i'm going to disagree with you slightly in midway through that fourth quarter, Stafford had the look on his face of a guy who the lights were a little bit too bright for him. You can say what you want, but he started those. His pupils were dilated. Those eyes were darting all over the field. Oh, you know, God. If, if Sam Darnold probably would have walked out there with him and told him he was seeing ghosts. But he he looked like a guy who you went, uh oh, are we just about to find out where Matthew Stafford's limit is? because he's never been here before and it it shows and look i'm i kind of agree you know like shanahan right famously made this mistake in the super bowl everyone told him why didn't you just start running the ball you would have won it and then his argument was well we kept doing the thing that got us ahead we kept doing the thing that the thing that we're supposed to do we're a team we played the way we've always played I think a little bit you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Whatever you do, if it ends up not working, people are going to say, why did you change? And then if you don't change, why didn't you change? So, you know, they were bad fumbles. I think they were good, you know, the Cooper Cup fumble, who would have seen it coming in a certain, you know, someone who's been so reliable, kind of a weird play. Also, if you're a Rams fan, maybe a little bit unlucky that the ball doesn't just go out of bounds, which I think nine times out of 10 in that scenario, it goes out and you go, Ooh, that was dodged a bullet there. Dust ourselves off. Glad, a good thing that happened so close to the sidelines. But I think the concerning thing for the Rams is now they've blown two big leads in the past couple of weeks. And that's not a good habit to be getting yourselves into because then you will start to get a little bit nervous if, over the point of the next three weeks, if they're in the fourth quarter up 10, it's going to be hard for themselves to think, yeah, we're in total control. We've got this. No problems.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and it, to me, I think it gets back to the fact, though, that I didn't see the dilating of the pupils with Matthew Stafford. I mean, I think overall he looked like he had a great game. He was 28 for 38. The, his only issue was that fumble snap and i don't know if that was really on him or the center that was just a colossal f up but you brought matthew stafford in because that was the missing piece right you didn't think you could win anymore with jared goff you needed to upgrade you upgraded and then after that fumble 11 out of the next 13 plays were run plays so if you're going to upgrade and bring him in and say he's the key to winning it you have to Ask him to do something, you you know. You can't say like we trust you, but we're going to run it eleven out of our next thirteen plays and let them back into the game. So that to me, I I mean, you're right. He's new to this. He could fall under the pressure, but I think he has to. You have to try with him a little. I'm. I, I like Stafford. I think a little more than you do. I think he is very good, but. I just don't like that playing super super conservative there. When you have a guy who wasn't like Tannehill, he didn't have two picks going into those drives. He was he was playing decent and they were hitting, and so I am concerned. You're right. Though. I'm also going
1: to disagree with you. You, you can't call it all on McVeigh because you're saying that sh- that at no point Stafford audibled in that 13 play sequence.
0: I mean, if it's a run you're play, not, I, mean, I don't I think he's audiling into a run play.
1: You don't think they're trusting? You don't think they trust Matthew Stafford enough? To give him the chance to switch it from a run play to a, a pass play at any point in a thirteen play sequence. If that's the case, then they got the wrong guy. If they're bringing a veteran quarterback to push them over the edge, and they go, "Hey, crunch time, don't change anything, Matthew," then that's a really bad message to be sending him. Yeah. So maybe. there's an element there of there's an element there of like the LeBron James criticism of Are you passing up the last shot? Are you are you being the good teammate? Teammate, or are you passing it up? And and look, in the end, he gets away with it. I, again, I think you're you're going oh, eighteen. What was what, what was it? What were his stats? Twenty eight for thirty eight. Let's call it. If if he hadn't had those two plays right at the end, and I'm, I'm, it's always easy to say, can I take away this play, take away that play, and see it differently? But if instead he's twenty six for for thirty eight <laughs> for two hundred and eighty yards. And they've lost that game in overtime. I don't think you're going good. Matthew Stafford performance there, he pads it a little bit crucially at the end, and it's a good play. He's also helped. Let's be real by some terrible defensive play by the Bucks on a couple of plays. I mean, there are moments when you or I might have thrown a touchdown pass out there when you just have Cooper Cup just get you know left wide open, you know, and you know, like and just totally. I mean, three majorly blown coverages.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Those were terrible.
1: Uh, th- so, I mean, I don't know. We spoke about this during the game. I don't know how you can go in against a, a, in a game against Cooper Cup and and not think at every crucial th- – it's third and 20, double coverage. Oh, they need 20, 30 yards to put themselves in with a realistic shot at a field goal, double coverage. And instead they've said, now nah, you know what we're going to do on the f- – the final play of the game, basically, we're going to just trust our safety to pick him up. We're going to A, let him get the distance he needs, and then we're just going to trust our safety in one-on-one coverage against him. Where he might just risk, he gives away a penalty, because if he gets beaten, he might... And in the end, you kind of... The one thing I have to question there, my question for Megan, I've got two questions. Is at the end of Tom Brady, do we see him play again? And I'll make that question 1A. 1B for that is do you think is your would your answer have been different if they hadn't had that comeback cuz i think mine is i think his feelings will be a little bit different now than they would have been end of the third quarter if you see what i mean
0: yeah but which way you're leaning
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think he doesn't come back if they just get blown, blown out, out in that game i think he goes and of this crap i Enough.
0: think you can go either way though because maybe if he gets blown out he thinks That is not the way to end it. I want to prove I can make a comeback versus he made the comeback and now he can say, Hey, you know what? Wasn't my fault. I came back. That defense sucks. So I, I proved I can still do it. I'm done. (laughs) But no, I, I do think he comes back and I think he comes back because this is a team that was right there to make in the NFC championship again. And they had a depleted, Team, I, I mean, you're, you're missing Tristan Wirth, who you could tell that was definitely a factor. Brady was getting pressure left and right, pressured left and right there because you're missing your all pro, ta- uh, pro bowl tackle. And additionally, I don't know what weapons they had on offense. I, you had Evans and you have Gronk, but not much else. You know, they lost so much. So I think if they <laughs> can add a little bit and build that team back and get out of that injury funk that they were in they're competitive again if this if this were the packers i think he retires because he can see that they're not going to be able to get a better roster but i think he can here
1: but here's the issue is you're calling it an injury funk the reality is they're a really old team and you know what (laughs) rarely happens i rarely go hey you know as that guy got older he got injured less so when you're a really old team injuries are probably going to be an issue mike evans for example has had massive injury problems over the course of his career. They've kind of been lucky, actually, that so far in the two post-seasons he's been there, he's had a relatively healthy Mike Evans both times. He's had a, you know, in this game, he had a relatively healthy um, Gronk. Can you count on that 12 months from now? And, I mean, you're right. They're going to have to add some major weapons on offense because they lost. I mean, obviously, losing Godwin was a blow for them, and the Antonio Brown issue... And obviously with Antonio Brown then posting, resharing on Instagram a post of an, a Photoshopped image of him walking off, waving at the, f- at the fans when he left during that Jets game, but instead holding a poster that said, Bucks lose. It's hard to lose two major uh, wide receiving threats, receiver threats, and kind of not be affected by it. But I guess part of the issue is they convinced a lot of players to join two seasons ago with the premise that come to play in Tampa Bay, we're going to be Super Bowl contenders, and you're going to need to gonna take a pay cut, and you're probably going to win a Super Bowl. Now, for all those people who did that, they delivered on that promise. But now if you're a player, are you looking at this and thinking, uh-oh, they might all be getting a little bit too old, and I might kind of join a retirement home here and find that I'm not going to win a Super Bowl, but I took a pay cut.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know. I I, listen with Tom Brady. I won't put anything past him. I can see either option being out there, but the level he's playing at is still a great level. And I don't think he's going to retire because he can't play. It's going to be, does he want to do it anymore? Is it worth continuing to pursue this? What more does he have left to prove?
1: I think he's coming back. Just to say, I think think
0: he is too. I think he is too. Um, And I think
1: if he hadn't, just to say, I think, no, no, but I think if he was, I think he would have retired after the game. I don't think he does a postseason retirement. I think he would have known there and then, this is it. I feel like he would have gone into this postseason thinking, whenever this ends, I'm done. And I think he would have gone into a press conference after the game and said, I'm calling it quits.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The last takeaway from this game is another question I have about McVeigh that I want to see your input on here. So cam makers had a costly fumble in the first half, and at the time, it didn't matter as much because they were up so much. but Chris Collinsworth, who is announcing this game, makes the point of saying, "I really like what is doing here." in that he's putting Cam Akers back on the field to show him that he has faith in him and that he is the right guy to continue being the running back for this team. Now, that backfires because he then has a pretty terrible fumble again in a time when you know you have to hold on to the ball. Cam Akers in college has been known as a fumbler. That was his big knock in the draft was that he had a lot of fumbles in college. So this is not something out of the blue. He's known for doing that. So that's already on the surface. You know he's a known fumbler.
1: I was also known, was also known as a fumbler in college. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now this, to me, brings up another coach in Bill Belichick where he has, when someone fumbles, just bench them the rest of the game. What would you have done in that scenario? Would you have been the McVay or would you have been the Belichick?
1: I don't think you can isolate, with either of those approaches, I don't think you can isolate a single player. If you're the Belichick, you have to always be the Belichick. You have to, whenever someone fumbles, they're out. Whenever you make a boneheaded play, you're out. Because if you then decide, hey, that was a really big time to make a bad play, now you're out, that's a really bad message to send to a player. Because then it is going to be difficult to bring him back into the fold later on when you need him. I think McVeigh did. That made was the an right instance. Decision.
0: So I just want to fill in the rest of that. This is an instance, though, where now you're going into that fourth quarter knowing you're going to run it. I mean, he ran 11 of 13 times. Yeah. So you're going in, I'm going to be running the ball.
1: But look, if, if unless in that moment McVeigh had made the decision, he's done for the playoffs, basically. Unless you can make that decision, then you have to keep him out there and you have to give him another chance you know it's, it's got to you got to get him back on the horse because otherwise how are you going to tell him next week against the Niners hey your ball's back in your hands now you didn't trust me in the fourth quarter of the last game though I trust you now unless you make a mistake then I won't trust you again in this game either and we can rinse and repeat this one all all season long you know I think they've they've probably made the decision that if they're going to win the Super Bowl they're going to need him and so then you have to keep trusting him, and you have to keep showing him that you believe in him, because he might make the play that wins you the Super Bowl, and you know that that will be what get, is what gets said if he suddenly comes up with a game-winning touchdown next week or some massive play next week or in three weeks' time, people will be talking about, oh, it all goes back to McVay when he had faith in him, even though he wasn't having a great second half.
0: Yeah, and then I I, I see the headline of Cam Akers fumbles when they're up by seven trying to run the clock out and people go, should have pulled the Belichick and benched him from the beginning. (laughs) So let's go to the last game now. Bills, Chiefs. I'll start by asking, we said maybe this isn't the greatest game ever. Is this the best quarterback performance you've ever seen from two quarterbacks in one game?
1: No. No. Uh, I think Josh Allen was kind of more impressive a week before. Like very, I know the stat line, which you're going to read out to me for both of them is amazing. In both instances, you kind of have to analyze sometimes the yard after the catch a little bit is certainly in the Mahomes instance. Like it's hard to be like, oh, wow, 80 yards for Mahomes, but it's, of ten-yard completion, and then Tyreek Hill just being nine times faster than everyone else on the field and just blowing by people. But I also think some of the defense down the stretch from both teams was highly questionable, to say the least. And look, and again, I'm not trying to be in uh, you know negative. They both played extremely well. It was a lot of fun to watch, and those final two minutes were incredible. I mean. I will probably never see anything like that again in the final 2 minutes of an NFL game. Certainly not in the final 2 minutes of an NFL playoff game. I think that's a fairly reliable prediction to make. But, you know, they both played well. It was fun, but I think I've seen better performances.
0: I don't think I have. That to me I th- goes down as one of the best back and forths I've ever seen. I will say out of this huge Mahomes fan. Always riding the Mahomes train here, but Josh Allen was the better QB that game. Just the way he carried that team on those drives in the fourth quarter when they needed plays. Not it wasn't just the throwing. I, I mean, he was there was a few times where I think it was like the 3rd and 5 play or um I forget which one it was where they desperately needed the yards and you can tell josh allen got to the line and just said like fuck it i'm gonna do it myself and just took it and ran for it and he did it a few times and it, i mean
1: <laughs> he it's not it's not backyard football i'm not sure but i think it was
0: i think some of it though look, i think there was a few plays that look, I, think I think he was
1: he he, he look, put I think the game in willing his to do. More. i think he was willing to do the greg jennings there and put the team on his back but I don't think he's going to the line of scrimmage and just saying, get out of my way, boys. This is, this is, I, I got this one. But look, I think he, I agree with you. I think he made, just because he has to do it with his feet and, and through the air, and he made some crucial plays with his, you know, on fourth downs when it was game over, if he didn't pick them up and stuff, he made some big, big plays. And, you know, look, it was an incredible ending to a, a good game and they can both walk away. I mean, if you're Josh Allen, you got to feel terrible cuz there has to be an element there of you feel like you gave it your best shot and it still wasn't enough.
0: Oh, absolutely. I I mean, if you're Josh I did Allen, enjoy... I don't know how it's that's you just have to sit there in silence for like a few days just wondering there's literally nothing else I could have done. I scored a touchdown on all but two drives. Like, what else can I possibly do here?
1: <laughs> what I did enjoy, though, was the fact that that game tying field goal from a stat you've probably seen, but from the Chiefs took 13 seconds for them to get into field goal position compared with the 14 seconds that Dak Prescott ran off the clock the week before against the Niners with his scramble. So. And look, that, I think that's the one moment where I give less credit to the offense. The 13, the fact that the Bills let the Chiefs get into field goal position on doing what you would have expected them to do. It's one thing if they make a crazy player, but if you told me, hey, who do you think they're going to throw to on these two passes? Maybe Hill and, and Travis Kelsey? You know, like, I mean, those were the obvious options and they did exactly what you would expect them to do. How did you feel about the, I'm assuming you've also seen it, the Andy Reid quote that he said to Unreal. Patrick Mahomes before he went it's it's oh, so for I, had, I was know, gonna bring it up for, the, for those who don't know Andy Reid before they went back out onto the field for the game time field goal told Patrick Mahomes when things are looking grim be the grim reaper it's now here's the thing is how long do you think he's how long do you think he's had that prepared for
0: I don't know but that is right out of like a blockbuster Michael Bay movie. That is movie level quote. That was epic. One of the best quotes I've heard in a very long time coming from Andy Reid on the sideline of the Chiefs game. That was that was awesome. When I heard that, uh, I was like, "Oh, that is so cool." When they make the film about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, that will be the quote that wins them the the, uh, the Oscar.
1: <laughs> and. How many how many Chiefs fans do you think are getting that as a tattoo at some oh. point over the next six I'm months? I'm
0: getting I'm getting the shirt tomorrow. I'm sure there are ready shirts out there.
1: <laughs> oh, there must be a shirt. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's just Mahomes holding the the Grim Reaper, uh, whatever hell that's called. Not stick.
1: No, it's better. It's better with Andy Reid.
0: Oh, <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> no, because <this laughs> but. Yeah, so going back to that sequence, the part that everyone is actually dissecting is the kicking off into the end zone and whether you would have squib kicked it to at least take three seconds off the clock. Because at that point, you're limiting it probably to one play. If you could have just gotten three to four seconds off that clock, they only have one play before they need to get into field goal range. Now, what's interesting. Or.
1: Yeah, or, or two very different looking plays, I would say. You know, if they, they, they have maybe two, two plays, but they don't have the ability to have the the yards after the catch that they had in both instances. Those get removed. You've got to throw no. to the sideline. You've got to get down instantly yeah. as soon as you catch the ball. It, it changes that. Yeah. What's
0: interesting is when they asked McDermott about it, his response was, it's on me for the execution. And people are kind of thinking either one, this means that in the frenzy of everything going on, they just, it kind of got lost in the, in the conversation, or maybe he did say to squib kick it and the kicker just kind of had a blackout moment and just kicked it deep because to say execution would mean you told someone to do something and they didn't execute what you told them.
1: Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't want to read into but Here's the thing is, I don't know. I think there's a middle ground between what would people would think of as a traditional squib kick and what I think they should have done, which is you kick the ball like five yards short of the end zone. Not to the you end You still point. get it deep. Yeah. And you make sure they got to return it, which can be at risk, obviously, because the Chiefs have good returners. So there's always a risk there that someone takes it to the house and then people are critical of you there as well. The reason why I think it was a particularly bad decision is because in the moment it felt stupid, and I think sometimes when we do sports analysis, it's very easy to you know have 2020 hindsight and Monday morning quarterback and and kind of be like, well, I wouldn't have done that, but in the moment, there's put it this way: anyone who plays Madden, they're not kicking they're not kicking it out for a touchback there. They oh, I know exactly what they're doing.
0: Even Romo and and the other announcer, you know, said, oh, here comes the swip kick. You you know, it was pretty obvious that everyone thought that was what was going to happen and what you should have done, and they didn't. And then getting to those two plays, I am 100% with you, and I think the rest of America is is with you. You have two guys on that team that are getting the ball, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. I'm okay with them playing a deeper coverage, but at the same time, you have to put a man on each of them. Have everyone de- deep if you want deep, but then also put a person on just those two, and that eliminates ninety percent of your chances to lose there and the other fact is they're rushing at one point, I think they were rushing four and even five, but there's only thirteen seconds. you really don't need to rush him. I get if you get a if you get a sack, the game's over, but at the same time, if you don't rush him. It might give him a little sense of security, and he might just sit back there and run another two, three seconds off the clock. So the fact that you're putting four is kind of a mistake. You could have taken two of those guys and made them coverage guys and then put them on Hill and Kelsey and make them run longer plays than having them have a 20-yard 20, 20 cushion and instantly giving it to them and having them run as quick as they can and get down. It was just te- That was just bad play calling by the defense. Yeah, the, the rushing, I mean, you're right.
1: I mean, because yeah. – he's going to get the ball out of his hand in two seconds anyway because he has to because he doesn't have a choice through the clock so yeah you're you're 100 right there that you're not you're not changing what he's trying to do by trying to get pressure on him because in all reality the pressure by the time the pressure gets to him the ball needs to be gone for the Chiefs to be making the right play so yeah you're you may as well have the extra extra man in coverage but and I guess the big talking point is which seems to pop up at least once a year over the course of the playoffs. but And with the Chiefs. Playoff rules. <laughs> and with the Chiefs. Now, this is the interesting thing. The Chiefs, Chiefs fans were so critical of the playoff rules. What was that, three years ago when they lost to the Patriots in that great game without getting the ball back in overtime? And now it will be interesting to see if they are equally vociferous in their calls for the playoff rules to still change, even though they benefited from them. Because if you do, if you are a believer in that these rules should be changed, it's a lot better to do it when you've benefited than when it looks like it's a bunch of sour grapes.
0: Yeah. So let me go through our our buddy Bill Barnwell has already posted his article about this. And let me go through the the potential scenarios that you could change the overtime. And you tell me whether you like them or not. So the first one that he only actually briefly mentions is the college football rules, where each team gets the ball on the 25-yard line, and you each get a shot to go, and you just keep going till someone gets stopped. Do you like that?
1: Well, to be clear for people unfamiliar with those college rules, you have to match or beat your opponents what they have achieved on their possession. Yeah, so it's not a case of if they kick a field goal, you can kick a field goal. Then you go to another round. And then eventually, right, they require that you have to go for two. two point, after. Yeah,
0: and after the third round, it just becomes a two-point conversion. But let's not put that rule. Let's yeah. go before they did that. You, you, each team gets a ball on the 25-yard line. You get a shot to either score a touchdown, field goal, or nothing. And then the other team gets to go and do what they can. And if after that first go of each team, whoever, if there's a winner, that's the game. If it's tied still, you do it again. Do you like that as an option? Personally I,
1: personally, I think it's very exciting. I think it's probably the best option. Okay.
0: Next option would be playing a, just another court period, whether that be a 10-minute or a fi- another 15-minute period, a full time. So not sudden death, but you play to the, the end of the clock.
1: I think that's better than the current approach, but I don't love it. Just because, you know, it seems, again, it kind of seems a little bit unfair on teams that are then in the playoff scenario. You're going to have to play a week later, and you're you're getting a whole, you know, that's an, a lot more strain going on your body. You're also in a scenario where maybe you rush out to a 14-point lead in four minutes, five minutes of overtime, and then you just got to play another five or seven minutes while the other team just takes shots at you. You know, and and if you get an injury with 30 seconds left in a game that pretty much was over at the beginning, you know, two or three minutes into the overtime period, I think that's the least, that's probably going to be the worst option. But maybe it's going to go.
0: The other issue there, too, is what happens if that period ends in a tie as well? Then you have to continue playing. And now you're getting to a point where players are going to be exhausted and are going to get injured. I think you could maybe do a 10-minute overtime and play it to the end of the 10, but then if you do have that tie at the end, it defeats the whole purpose. So that that isn't the best. The next one is you keep the rules as they are. So this is where we don't have to change the rules, but it's already predetermined that whoever won the opening game coin toss will have choice of what they're going to do in the overtime. So going into that fourth quarter, you know who's going to be getting the ball.
1: I don't like that quite as much. I mean, I do in the sense that it obviously then – I think that that might give an unfair advantage to the other team towards the end of the game. So say they put themselves in the scenario where, oh, we've just tied the game with 15 seconds left. Now are they the team
0: getting the ball? No, we're not.
1: And they're the team not getting the ball. They suddenly go, well, we definitely need to go for two. Like it puts them in terms of the analytics, it puts you in a much more favorable position than to make in a way that I don't think would be totally fair. And I guess you could come back, you know, someone could counter that by saying, well, you should be able to stop a team from a successful two point conversion, but it kind of does put them in a in this position where they know it's kind of like, you know, knowing it's fourth down territory. You've kind of added this extra element where it might give you a slight advantage at certain moments in time, but I don't love that at all. I would prefer that at least there, what you were making the decision is you'd have to choose. You know, most teams obviously want to defer and get the ball to start the second half in the very least. Then that should come with the penalty of, and you don't get the ball if overtime comes. Do you see what I mean? Cause yeah. like yeah. almost every team would say there's the big benefit of the st- getting of maybe having the kind of back to back end of the first half, getting the ball in the second half. At least this way, you would say, well, the cost of that is if this does go to overtime, we're getting it second.
0: Okay. All right. Now, here's an interesting one. He suggests the play to eight points rule. So the first team to score eight points wins. Now, the advantage of this would be you'd keep the same rules as they are now. And let's say the Chiefs drove down the field and scored. They would then have to convert a two-point conversion on top of that touchdown, which right now the conversion rate um, is about, what, 60 to 70%. So the fact you'd have to score a touchdown and then also get that brings it down to around 50% chance of winning for the team getting the ball, whereas right now the chance of winning, I think, is like 57-ish percent, the team who gets the ball first, so that extra addition of having to get a two-point conversion would bring it down to just about even. Do you like that idea?
1: I think that's better than the current situation, yeah. I don't think that's a perfect solution, but I do think that's an improvement and a good way of saying you're not necessarily going to drag the game on. I'd also be interested to see how often teams went for two. I mean, I guess you may as well because you're still, if you get the ball back, I'd almost prefer nine. Like requiring (laughs) that you had to have two possessions. Because there's no reason to not go for two then, if you see what I mean. Because if you don't, if you're not successful, a field goal will still win you the game the next time you get it. So there's never going to be a scenario where the team in Overgiven thinks, ooh, no, we want it. we want the seven, and we're going to trust our defense now for a little bit.
0: And then the last option put forward is the option that the Ravens had put forward Uh, earlier this year or last year sorry which is the spot and choose and in this scenario the first team chooses what yard line from which the overtime will begin and then the other team decides whether they will begin that game on offense or defense does that make sense
1: I, I understand the premise, yeah, yeah. and and it would get into an interesting bit of kind of game theory as to yes. whether you choose a, a sort of advantageous position, or you you and you know hope that the other team takes it and you you back your defense, or whether or not you put yourself backed up on the your own one yard line, but you get the ball. I think that's it's not really too complicated, but I think it is too complicated. If you see what I mean. like For, it's, for the fans or ma- for
0: the coaches who can't even make simple timeout calls.
1: <laughs> but uh, I mean, also think of how often we, we see players mess up coin tosses and officials mess up coin tosses. So you're going to have the coin toss and then <laughs> do they like break away to huddle and then try and explain it? And then the referee is like saying it out loud, but he messes it up and it's a whole, you know what I mean? Like. It's not a very complicated idea, but I think it's probably too complicated to be a, a like a clean solution.
0: Now, l- now let me give you this scenario. Say that was the rule yesterday, and the Chiefs were first to choose, and they said, I want to put the ball on the one-yard line. If you're the Bills, do you say, we'll take defense or we'll take offense?
1: I think you take defense. Really? I, I, b- yeah, I think... I think 10 onwards, I would have taken offense. But I just think you do, when you are backed up in your own end zone, it does create another element of pressure. I mean, because you also then throw in a safety, it's game over, right? Yeah. So you're suddenly putting yourself in a position where an offensive penalty in your own end zone or just a really good defensive play, it's game over. And then you look kind of stupid that you decided to put the ball there and lost on a safety. But I think... So let's I play
0: game it. let's play game theory. What's the closest to the end zone you'd have to be? If so let's this exact game, Bills Chiefs, you're the Bills. What's the closest you would be where you would say, We'll take offense? Five yard line?
1: I think six and onwards. <laughs> it's
0: so difficult. No, no, no but I'm trying to I'm trying to think six. <laughs>
1: well, that's game theory. <laughs> And this is why it would be a great thing to watch. No, I'm just trying to think of how far I'm trying to make sure that I'm not starting a play in my end zone. Yeah. Basically. I seriously. And and like even on the five, you do a five-step drop, you're kind of you're there. I'm 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 trying to make sure at no point I've got my quarterback. I mean, it's a lot of pressure. And then the question becomes I get do you if you decide to do that, is it immediately four down territory? If I take the ball on my own six, am I telling myself this is we're not punting from the eight because we're not giving them the ball on their own forty, only needing a field goal
0: in that specific game,
1: or just in almost any game. Well, I mean, if it were the Packers I mean, Niners, gonna,
0: maybe that's a little different. If or if it were had been, that uh, well, game.
1: I would have said no because then in, but no, because in those weather conditions, a definitely not with the Packers special teams that they were playing then. I'm not punting, but also in those <laughs> weather conditions, then you're thinking, what you're going to get to the fifty yard line on a punt. And they're going to think we need 15 yards to be in position to win this game. It would be interesting, but it's just too complicated.
0: I think it would be interesting. I would hate to have to hear TV announcers and radio broadcasters who are so terrible with analytics and are so anti-analytics try and tell me what the smart move is when they have absolutely no idea. It would just anger me so much
1: or more or more to the point to have to sit through them explaining it at the beginning of every overtime even after that's been the rule for seven years i mean we still have it explained to us as if we're absolute morons that (laughs) touchdown wins the game but if they if it's a field goal or less then the bills get the ball back and then next score wins it's like they you don't need to like i've watched football before i get it yeah (laughs) Yep. This is this has been the rule for a while now. Yeah, like this well, is we've we've all experienced this. It's not like before when a field goal would have won the game. Yeah. It used to be that was fifteen first, years wait, ago. First... <laughs> yeah, it's like we've got it. Most you know, most people are probably watching, going, "I didn't know that it used to be the rule. That's crazy."
0: Yeah, right. you're you're getting close to a point that a lot of people are probably saying that, but it's just the when they try and speak about analytics too, it angers me because that what they keep bringing up now, the biggest talking point is about Staley, the head coach of the chargers and how he had so many failed fourth downs. And you know, that's why you can't trust analytics because look at Staley and the chargers, they're sitting home. And it's like, no, you idiot. He did not follow analytics. There are so many articles out there that's, show that he was going against the analytics and going for fourth downs so if anything you're proving analytics correctly by saying he's not there because he didn't follow them you know but they don't understand that and it's like fourth down he went for it and they're out of it it's like no that's not how it works it's just so this adding that concept of it which just like tony romo's head might explode so yeah it's 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 a good idea in in theory but I, it would never work i don't think
1: nick kyrgios can't keep himself out of the drama at the australian open even though he was knocked out in the singles i don't know if you saw that after his doubles victory on friday the trainer and the coach of his opponents went into the locker room and threatened to fight him asked if he wanted to go outside and have a fight which he is the one who then spoke about afterwards laughing about and saying it all got a little bit heated and how funny it was but He's obviously still much loved by the tennis community.
0: Was he at fault for this? I mean, was there a reason for them to go in there? Was he doing something to them the entire match that aggravated them?
1: (laughs) I think he's someone who regularly and easily aggravates people. (laughs) Do I think he, as far as I can tell, I don't think he was doing anything that justified someone coming in after a match in a grand slam and, Threatening to and asking if he wanted to go outside for a fight. Nothing more than usual. He didn't. No. (laughs) I mean, I
0: mean, people have reputations in sports that you know they can't get rid of, and he is, he is like at the top of that list. No matter what he does, he will have this reputation to his grave. I mean, in fact, on his grave, it might say something about how much of an asshole he was while playing tennis.
1: Now speaking a little bit of assholes, and my final topic from the weekend. But oh I don't boy, know if you have this could more. go really south really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> now it's actually a player who okay. will be watching next weekend, Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if you saw some of the news that came out or discussion that came out about his contract this oh, weekend. Oh, so it's good! Obvious.
0: This is so good. Do you have the numbers because before I'll... we start this? Okay, I have the numbers because I do yes. too. Okay. <laughs>
1: So Odell Beckham Jr. was one of a number of players who has opted to be paid in Bitcoin over U.S. dollars uh, and so chose for his Rams salary to be paid entirely in Bitcoin. Now, just because of the sort of boom in cryptocurrencies and how excited anyone gets when anyone owns a cryptocurrency or shows a modicum of interest in cryptocurrency. People gave him so much credit for making this decision and, oh, what a step in the right direction by moving, choosing to be paid in a decentralized currency. Now, this all looks very good when the price of Bitcoin is going up and up and up. Turns out it doesn't look so good when the price of Bitcoin plummets as it has done over the past few days. So when Odell Beckham Jr., he signed a $750,000 contract with the Rams on the, on November 12th. At that point, he locked in his exchange rate between dollars and Bitcoins, which means at the time, the Bitcoin was worth $64,293. Yesterday it was worth $35,400. Okay. that means that his $750,000 salary has effectively been turned into a salary of $412,953. Oh, but give us, kicker, worse, give us the
0: kicker, Eddie. Give us the kicker.
1: What makes matters worse for him is that he is taxed on the, the rate he's taxed on is on the $750,000, ah, not on it. what the value of the Bitcoin <laughs> is. Meaning that he, with, Calif- with federal and California state tax, his tax rate will be 50.3%. All of that means that Odo Beckham Jr. has so far made $35,703 playing for the Rams. <laughs> oh, that is so good.
0: I, I, so the first caveat to that is, in the same sense, he still will be taxed 50% on that 750 So it's not like it's 35 to 750, it's really 35 to about 375, which is still a significant drop. It's about 90% less than what he would be making. But like that's crazy. The only thing I'll say here is, he clearly has an endorsement from Cash App because when he announced he was going to Bitcoin, he made this whole thing about, I'm going to full Bitcoin, get on Cash App and, do this and that hashtag Cash App money. So I'm assuming he's getting a decent endorsement from them. I don't know if it's three hundred thousand to bring him back to what he would normally be making, but still, this is a great instance of athletes trying to be savvy and not knowing what they're really doing, and it just backfiring miserably.
1: And there is also two other elements here, right? Which is his career earnings are over eighty million dollars, so I don't think he's going to be too upset about all of this. And that's not throwing in his sponsorship deals and stuff. That's just purely what he has made from his NFL contracts. And also, he's in. He, there is no need for him to sell this Bitcoin. Yeah. he'll obviously see this as an investment, so he's certainly in a position where he can sit on it, and he'll be laughing at all of us if you know six months from now Bitcoin's at one hundred thousand dollars he'll be telling us how stupid all of us were to have laughed at the fact that for a a short period of time, it looked like he'd made an unwise decision. So, you know, it's not quite so straightforward, but it definitely does show some of the risks when people were so eager to congratulate every player who decided to switch to Bitcoin, either partially or completely for their salary. It's This is a kind of cautionary tale as to why maybe sticking in a sticking in us dollars or pounds or wherever it is you're based might be a little bit safer not necessarily smarter but certainly safer
0: yeah it reminds me of there's a lot of celebrities right now that are have been accused of kind of endorsing specific cryptocurrencies or oh they like
1: matt damon Yes, who's out there just <laughs> on commercials? And, you know, no, but nine there are, are other ones.
0: No, no, but there are a few that promoted a cryptocurrency that they were heavily invested in, and then it peaked because of their social media presence, and then they instantly sold uh, their their shares or their stocks or whatever you want to call it, and
1: well, their cryptocurrency.
0: Yeah. But some of it was they had like the stock in whatever was selling it, I think, what was one of them as well. Um, oh, the
1: company that created the coin.
0: Yeah, was another one. But some of it was just straight Coinbase. There's like a few celebrities now that they've been accusing of doing this. And it really <laughs> reminds me of this is, this is a quote that our friend Tim loves. Uh, when I was on the Penn State track team, one of the perks of being on the team is there was like a little laundry ring. And every day after practice, you'd throw your your dirty clothes on the ring, and then you'd come back the next day and boom, your your workout clothes are instantly clean. We were having an issue where people were just coming in and putting their normal laundry on the ring. So there'd be like four days worth of laundry on the ring. And our coach sat us all down. And one of the, the talking points for the day was, you guys can't be doing this. You know, we're you're getting a nice service, but you're you're abusing it and the one person stood up and she said well i think it's just kind of being an entrepreneur and making the most of the situation and our coach said no that's not being an entrepreneur that's being an asshole <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what this makes me feel like <laughs> where they think they're being entrepreneurs but they're just doing illegal activities <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it's just, and it's true. Look, the celebrity endorsements of cryptocurrencies or NFTs, all of it, it's, it's a little bit like great to be decentralized and unregulated. The, the thing that then becomes a challenge is normal laws that would apply to insider trading and, and you know, pumping and dumping kind of don't apply anymore. And so in the end, the only people they're pumping and dumping is the general public. But the, you know, I- I
0: wish we had Sam on still.
1: But well, he he started pumping and he dumped us. But he the the, you know I I think it's questionable to have celebrities being able to openly. I mean, even the Elon Musk thing, right? He can say something about how either Tesla is going to start accepting Bitcoin or say just something positive if he just tweets you know a cryptocurrency with a little eye emoji that thing shoots up in value. I mean, it's the level of control he has over those markets is unbelievable. And so what it just means in any day, he can wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I want to make a quick buck. I'm going to choose this random cryptocurrency. I'm going to buy a bunch of it now. And then I'm going to send out a message being like, oh, oh, look at that. And then by the end of the day, it will probably have quadrupled in value. I can sell, made my money, and I don't care about it anymore. And all these people who thought they were following me because they think I'm some, you know, I'm the sort of Nostradamus of cryptocurrencies, and I did like that he took a shot at NFTs the other day, but, you know, they're going to be the ones who get left holding the bag when everything collapses. That being said, if there is a cryptocurrency that wants the Big Chill Podcast to officially endorse it, we will throw our full weight behind it episode after episode until you stop paying us, and then we will forget that you existed. Forget to the moon. We'll, call it, we'll, we'll go right to Saturn. We'll call it Samcoin. We'll, we'll start it now. <laughs> so we know we that's going to pump be pumped and dumped. <laughs> we will pump that thing relentlessly. Uh,
0: as a last topic, I kind of just wanted to ask you, Ozark season four dropped. Are you an Ozark fan?
1: Yeah, I think I'm four episodes in.
0: Wow, so far, it just dropped on Friday with the weekend of football, Eddie, <laughs> yeah,
1: or yeah, I think maybe three and a half episodes in so far.
0: Wow, I'm impressed. We almost I watched we one watched... last night, but we were I was just so exhausted from all the football, and then we had our, the hockey championship, so I was like, let's start Monday.
1: <laughs> I watched an episode today, and I think we watched we watched an episode Saturday afternoon and an episode yesterday.
0: I do like the fact that it's going to be two seasons, whether it's called two seasons or not, but they have it all filmed already, which is nice. So I think the, the idea is they're going to release this, wait a few months, and then release the final episodes instead of a show like Stranger Things, which releases a season, and then you have to wait five years for the next season to come out.
1: It's good, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm not going to knock it, and I'm enjoying this this season so far. It is always one of those things, right, which is... These shows, the kind of premise starts off with a, and a a scenario that you can imagine being somewhat realistic. It's like the Breaking Go, Bad. Approach.
0: No, you got to give me a better one. I know which one you were gonna say.
1: What? Which one?
0: It's like Homeland. Homeland sure, started also, off with a very decent idea and then just went absolutely insane, yeah, <laughs> along and- with the main character. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and Ozark hasn't gone quite that far where you can still kind of try to imagine maybe, but you have watched this evolution of a guy from being an accountant who was just really good at fiddling the numbers to now being a kind of mini drug lord who's kind of manipulating the whole world around Open him. Open up casinos. He... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And look, it's enjoy. I, mean, I enjoy it, but it is always a shame to me when you kind of think the show started kind of somewhat grounded in reality and now it's got to a point where you're just like, Another good one for this was House of Cards. House of Cards starts off with showing you, oh, look, these are the silent people behind the scenes who are pulling the strings and you don't realize it, but this is what the world of politics is really like. And then a little bit later, it's like, oh, you know how this guy started the show by telling you he didn't really want the sort of fake power of being the president he wanted the the real power of controlling the president it's like no now he wants to be president too and now <laughs> he's just openly murdering people pushing them in front of trains uh, you know like going i was off.
0: gonna say i was gonna say listen i'm gonna drop a spoiler but the minute you throw someone in front of a train as a politician that no i'm sorry
1: <laughs> and don't get recognized at all in washington dc a place where people really know you know what i mean like
0: ncctv is everywhere <laughs> yes
1: Plus a number of other really weird things that you do. Yeah. But, but yeah, like. I actually
0: stopped watching House of Cards shortly after that. And I stopped watching Homeland shortly after she, um, like, coerced and sexually assaulted a 15-year-old Middle Eastern man. (laughs) (laughs) And And then sent him to his death three episodes later. Sorry for the spoiler alerts if you are really keen on watching like, Homeland, but that, that's where I was like, behind. no, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think House of Cards I definitely gave up on before it finished in Homeland. I can't remember which season it was, but I also gave up on, I think I gave up on it once. Was his name Cody? The main character, the like, whatever his name was. When he died, I think I was totally out on the show.
0: Brody, Nicholas Brody.
1: Close enough.
0: It close. It's close.
1: That's not bad for a show I haven't watched in 7
0: years. How many seasons of Homeland do you think there are?
1: Oh, a ridiculous number. It only just ended, right? I think there's like 13 or 14 seasons.
0: <laughs> there's 8. <laughs> but even to me okay. that's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> but it only like it only ended like uh, eighteen months ago, right? Just before the pandemic, maybe it ended.
0: Yeah, a- April 26, twenty twenty.
1: Yeah. So wow. Maybe this is look, we, we stopped making homeland and a global pandemic broke out. We need to bring back homeland. That was
0: that show just got off the rails real quick. Well it's also another another good example is which I know is a show you like, Prison Break. Where it's like the whole premise is prison breaking out of prison. You think
1: I like? Wait, you think I like Prison Break or that was sarcasm? I,
0: no, I think you love it.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not a Prison Break person. I find Prison Break the thing that annoys me about Prison Break is like the go-to. Uh, we discussed this previously. It's like footballers, as in Premiership footballers and stuff. When they get asked to name their favorite TV show, they always say Prison Break because I think it's one of those things that it's like it feels like it's a tougher like a more macho series choice than it really is like both Prison Break and Entourage people choose because they think it's kind of like a manly TV show but in reality it's not like all of the drama if you change the vehicle that was delivering it to here's a show about high school girls the drama would be exactly the same like the script could be almost identical but it would be like I'm never going to watch that now
0: All right, well I guess that's a, that's enough TV bashing for one day. <laughs> Although we started off positive yeah. by saying Ozarks is good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know Ozark is good. But yeah. Yeah, I know I'll see you uh Thursday when we do our preview of the final non-depressing weekend of the NFL really.
0: Yeah, it's we're getting there. I I mean the really sad part is like we said that was probably the greatest round of NFL playoffs ever played. So, you're going down from that high. It's going to make it even
1: worse. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll one up themselves in the next round.
0: But there's only two games, so even if they one up themselves, it's only two. But with
1: maybe 17 periods of overtime.
0: Actually, let me ask you this as as a final send-off. If right now well, I, I want to preface this by saying let's say you're not a 49ers fan. Okay. If right now the NFL offered the fans, we'll stop playing the playoffs and instead of a Super Bowl, we'll just do a best of seven Bills versus Chiefs and the Chiefs are one up, what would you rather watch?
1: I'd still rather watch the normal playoffs. Really? Yeah. Because there's no guarantee that they deliver the same level of entertainment, you yeah. know. Like we've seen the Bills and the Chiefs play each other before. It's not always that good, and it's close. you know, yes, they are both. But you know, I, I, who knows? We might get that this weekend. The the Chiefs and the Bengals had a super exciting game. They did. three weeks ago, four they weeks did. ago. So that was almost as exciting as that Bills game. So, you know, we'll see what happens.
0: All right, well, I, I can't wait to make my picks. Talk to you later.